Alex Marlowe, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. And we got a big show lined up for you today. We start with the explosive news of Vladimir Zelensky and his wife posing for Vogue. So in case you're wondering where all that U.S. taxpayer dollars, where all those went, well, maybe a little bit, maybe just a little bit for a super hot war photo shoot. Uh, And then we get into Trump suing CNN, the Fed making another major rate hike, which is going to make credit cards and homes and car loans and uh, all sorts of things way more expensive. Uh, Biden has survived COVID. I get into that and what that means, a epic woke update, uh, a massive inflationary spending bill that could be coming down the pike via Joe Manchin and Chuck Schumer. We're really bad on some of these omnibus bills where you get stuff, for example, like we all are nowhere behind on semiconductors and chips. So what do we do? We put that in a bill and then we add a bunch of other pet projects and pork. And so then if you don't support the pork, then all of a sudden you're against us producing our own semiconductors. This is the logic that Washington puts out and we're all forced to endure it unless we fight back, which we're doing at Breitbart News Daily. All that and much more in the opening. And then we speak to Charlie Kirk, my old friend, who has got a new book out called The College Scam, where he explains really in detail uh, what has gone wrong with the American university system and what we can do to push back. He's got some pretty great recommendations and a uh, terrific communicator. So always good to catch up with Charlie. All that on today's show. Let's get into it. That is, I'll only mention this briefly because, but it's just too amusing. I want to talk about it first, uh, which is Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president and his glamorous wife, Olena Zelenska, posing for Vogue magazine because war is so hot right now, guys. Who didn't know that war was so, so hot? And, uh, you know, all of your money that uh, we were sending to Ukraine. And I by and large support what Ukraine's doing. But uh, they're t- taking time out of their busy schedule to pose for fashion magazine. Remember the same fashion magazine that would not put America's First Lady on the cover, even though she was a, or in the magazine at all, even though she was a literal fashion model. You know, the most glamorous First Lady we've ever had. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Melania Trump. Um, but now we have the glamorous First Lady of Ukraine, who is war torn. She's on the cover of Vogue. It's all a troll, and it's kind of clever. I'm sure we'll sell a lot of issues, but it was uh, the online reaction was exceedingly negative. Now, I'm the editor of Breitbart, so I'm well aware that not all negative online reaction um, is actually a uh, is a bad thing. And sometimes, a, you know, online reaction that's negative gets you a lot of attention. But it is one that I, I couldn't help but resist. Uh, I couldn't resist bringing up on the show. It came up actually in yesterday's show, but I didn't realize it was happening till well into the show. But everyone should go online, and um, you should uh, check that out in, in a big way. Um, so that's number one. And now we'll get into th- what this might actually mean, though, because in the content of the interview, Zelensky invited Joe Biden to Ukraine again, but he laments it's not even Biden's choice if Biden can go. And this was interesting because this was interpreted a couple of different ways. Uh, one way that it was interpreted was that Biden can't go for security reasons, but it was also interpreted perhaps Biden can't go to Ukraine uh, because Biden is not actually making his own decisions that Biden is a puppet 
and that he has puppet masters. And those are the people who are the institutional uh, left, the institutions of the Democrat Party, maybe Ron Klain, his chief of staff, uh, whatever it is, whoever's running Biden is not allowing him to participate in this activity. Um, but remember, Biden's got a long history with Ukraine and Zelensky that he doesn't, he doesn't love Zelensky. Remember, Zelensky is part of the team of people who made things more difficult for Hunter Biden and thus the big guy to obtain wealth in the region. So I think Biden's got some, some history there. I think Biden knows uh, politically it was good for him to be on Zelensky's side by and large against Putin because of the nature of American uh, media and the way American politics works right now vis-a-vis Russia. Uh, who, which invaded Ukraine, but it, it is noteworthy that while his country is getting invaded, that uh, he's posing, taking time to pose for Vogue magazine. Uh, it is just a the, the romantic, sexy, hot nature of war. Um, all right, speaking of Joe Biden, he's basically beaten coronavirus at this point. I played some clips of him yesterday. He didn't sound very good, but he certainly sounds like he's he's going to come out the other end of this. And it's interesting because a lot of people course, we're dunking on Joe for getting it despite his ridiculous mask usage, despite his getting boosted and boosted and boosted and boosted and boosted and boosted and boosted. How many boosts do you think he got? He got all those boosts. And um, it is he's now not not even a lockdown anymore, but he's urged Americans to continue to keep wearing masks indoors and getting their boosters, even though we're learning that you're probably going to get the virus anyway, which I have to say one of the wisest people of the group of doctors who have been informing me on what's really happening with the pandemic over uh, over the course of the pandemic, which we're now well over two years into. Um, one of the smartest of the group of doctors told me within a couple of weeks, we're all going to get this thing. We're all going to get it. And uh, it does make you think that a lot of the countries that did take their chances a little bit with natural immunity might not be that far off uh, in, uh, over time. Now, there was a thought when we were learning about the virus and we were trying to get some vaccines with Operation Warp Speed off the ground. And you're trying to you know, understand more of it, see if you get them therapeutics built to try to avoid everyone getting it at the start. But now we're at this place where there's not a lot of direct evidence that the vaccines are particularly effective against the latest variants or booster shots are, even though, um, you know, the latest data suggests that the people with the uh, that are getting hospitalized are still by and large the unvaccinated. It's been the case the whole time. Uh, and now we're learning, according to Dr. Fauci, that we missed the mark on the masks and that the paper mask and the cloth mask didn't do much. Uh, who didn't know that? And then if you're going to really take the masking seriously, you need one of these heavy duty masks, which are very comfortable and awkward, et cetera. Um, While we were trying to figure some of this out, it made sense maybe to just keep injecting yourself and uh, to wear the mask. But now officially, no way is that necessary. You can take your own calculated risk. People understand it. And the thought that Biden would get it anyway, despite him taking so many precautions to make sure he didn't get it because you know, he's a bad candidate to get it. He's an older guy and the disease, of course, is much worse for older people. And he is, um, it's, he's not just a statistic. He's the president of the United States. So you don't really want him to get it because there's a chance he keels over. So he got it. He did fine with it. It sounds and now he's on the recovery, and then he recommends everyone do the exact same 
things that uh, uh, he did, and even though he got it. Particularly the masking is irritating because we learned ultimately the vaccines are mostly sort of functioning as like a therapeutic where they would uh, uh, lessen symptoms for most people, not everyone, but most people who took it. But we just have no uh, accurate or honest discussion of where we're at on that. All right, other things that are in the news, and there's quite a bit that broke yesterday. The U.S. has offered a deal with Russia to free Brittany Griner, um, as well as a corporate uh, security executive named Paul Whelan. It was not up on I was not up on the Paul Whelan saga, but Brittany Griner was is a WNBA star. And she got detained in Russia ostensibly for drug-related issues. I don't really know all the details of it, but the uh, the, uh, the, but, um, the close to the White House told the AP that the U.S. offered the Kremlin a Russian arms dealer, a guy named Victor Bout, in exchange for Griner in Wayland. Um, and the U.S. had previously swapped a convicted Russian pilot in exchange for an imprisoned Marine veteran named Trevor Reed. So we're now doing the prisoner swap deal. And uh, Tony Blinken said we put a substantial proposal on the table weeks ago to facilitate their release. Our governments have communicated repeatedly and directly on that proposal, and they'll use the conversation to follow up personally. Oh, that's great. So uh, Griner, a lot of people had been dragging Biden over this online because they knew that if it was LeBron James, they would have got him out right now. If it was a male sports star, wouldn't have been there this long. So this thus Biden uh, put his foot on the accelerator and the American media making this point, even LeBron James admitting it, by the way, uh, meant that we uh, swapped out a Russian warlord. Literally a warlord, Lord of War is uh, what he's known as. A Russian arms dealer. So this is the deal we get. And, uh, you know, it's a, the U.S. should be able to figure this stuff out. This is just the way the way things work. But uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, what uh, Victor Bout does for the rest of his life now that this is going on. Um, but at least we got the bonus of uh, former U.S. Marine Paul Whelan. So uh, that would be a, uh, I guess that's a good thing. I didn't know he was in the picture there, but that's a, a nice little sweetener to the deal. We give the uh, warlord back to Russia. Bout was serving a 25-year prison sentence in the U.S. for charging for charges of conspiracy to kill Americans. That's great. I'm sure he'll be, be there. I'm sure he'll get right back to business once he gets back. Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin have struck a deal on uh, healthcare and climate change in a bill. This is pretty disturbing stuff. It announced Wednesday that a reconciliation package that would aim to take on Biden's green agenda, extend Obamacare subsidies, and they allegedly lower the deficit. I just don't know how this is going to happen. Uh, guys, uh, fill me in if we're having uh, phone issues again because it's uh, tricky if we are because I'm looking at something very odd on my screen here on the phone I'd like to inform the audience I'd like to keep them abreast or apprised what's going on um, but Schumer Manchin struck a deal uh, struck a deal in reconciliation it's called, they're called the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 it's just this is just pure Orwell the bill will involve ridiculous amounts of spending particularly on stuff like the green agenda and uh, health care this is stuff that is naturally inflationary. 
So this is flat out like in 1984 where they were going to lower the chocolate rations. So they lowered it and then they announced that the chocolate rations had been raised from you know three grams a week to two grams a week. I forget the exact quote. I should get that down. I use that one a lot. Um, but that's exactly what it is. It's, it's a literally Orwellian. This is a deficit reduction. But wait a minute. How are we going to reduce the deficit? We're going to spend more money on green stuff and uh, uh, Obamacare stuff. The measures include, according to Sean Moran for Breitbart News, provision to allow Medicare to negotiate the price of drugs, which would save money for the climate change and Obamacare portions of the bill. So I think they're going to actually make money with that. I mean, that doesn't sound like a horrible idea, I guess. But if we got to trade it for a bunch more subsidies, a bunch more climate change stuff, no thanks. Uh, it would have a 15% minimum corporate tax that's estimated to raise $313 billion. These calculations are never accurate. It would raise $124 billion for enhanced tax enforcement by the IRS. So this is the whole thing, which I find this highly irritating. It's okay if you're going after the corporations. I get it. The corporations do get away with, with murder in this country, figuratively speaking. This is where he's just going to go around and harass Americans. I, I was thinking about this as my tax um, uh, scheme has gotten more complicated over the years because of... Um, I keep adding children, adding mortgage, adding uh, additional children, adding a small business or two, um, and changing states uh, back to a different state, go back to the first state. One of the state doesn't close out something properly, so I'm overpaying in one state, not paying at all in another state. Uh, once all that stuff goes down, then the you get concerned the IRS can get in your back for nothing, and that is literally Biden's plan is that he's just going to have the IRS just jump on people. Um, which, I, again, if you're a corporation, you're evading taxes completely in your... Let's close loopholes before we start focusing on just enforcement. It's You know, you got to pay your, your taxes. Say we got a law and order country. I get it. But it just seems like a very odd place to put so much focus, which has been Biden's focus. It's kind of like a, a, we're, we're going to take the couch cushions off and we're going to start uh, searching the crevasses of the couch for additional tax revenue. Terrific. The deal may imperil creating helpful incentives to produce semiconductors CHIPS Act, which is a $280 billion package that would boost domestic semiconductor chip manufacturing and high-tech research. Um, this is a concern that we've raised at Breitbart News. Obviously, we're in bad shape when it comes to semiconductors. This is part of the reason why you might not be able to get the car you want or some of the cars you want. It's a huge part of our supply chain issues, maybe the most, the, the, the biggest part. And a lot of Republicans think that passing that bill could potentially lead to a, uh, it, it could lead to issues with a Build Back Better going forward. It's all a big negotiation. And um, the, 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 the things are tied to one thing and the next. But the bottom line is, is that Manchin seems like he's on board for passing a huge portions of Biden's agenda. And we'll keep breaking down for you at Breitbart News and something we should be concerned about and see where this goes from there. All right. The biggest news story of the day yesterday was Fed raising interest rates by 75 percent basis points, which it was predicted that it would go up to 100 basis points and then 75% is a is it's a huge 
it's it's a huge mark. That's a 0.75 increase. And this is what was done the last time the Fed made a move, but this was already all priced into the market. So it's the second consecutive 0.75 point raise. Uh, These are huge in size from the modern era. And it's about the Fed focusing on purely inflation. Uh, John Carney's written this up in our our Breitbart Business Digest email that we send out that I do recommend um, that the, but the Fed announcing this uh, it cle- clearly shows that that's their main focus is just inflation. And that makes sense considering that job vacancies are still over 11 million, which is high and unemployment is near record lows. So though most Americans think we're in a recession at this point, the it's clear that the Fed's and uh, Biden's policy in general, even though Biden doesn't control the Fed exactly, um, that their whole point is, is that things, if inflation, 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 that's all that matters. And everyone who told us, though, that inflation was going to be transitory, the same people who are telling us we're not in a recession at this point. So uh, I I think they could end up looking pretty foolish when we enter recession at some point. Today, we're going to get some data to suggest, did we contract again in Q2, which means that we could potentially had two consecutive quarters of contraction economically, which by some people is the definition of a recession, but not according to the people that matter the most, which is the National Bureau of Economic Research, which is the private academic outlet that became the semi-official arbiter of recessions. So um, Powell suggesting that the we're not currently in a recession, given those two pieces of data I mentioned with the uh, how many jobs are open. But most Americans think we are. And, and the word recession doesn't really seem to matter. We were making fun of Biden yesterday about how he just wants to redefine what a recession is. That's his tactic. That's not really uh, it doesn't really make a difference. The economy's not in great shape. It could be in better shape. Um, and the, the, there is, uh, there is consideration whether or not we're going to see tax hikes from Biden. We're seeing uh, massive reduction in the money supply from Powell. There's deep concern that there could be a collapse in the real estate market due to some of these rate hikes, which makes some sense to me because, uh, who's going to go get, even though the price of real estate should theoretically stay the same, who's going to go get a mortgage when if you're getting a big mortgage, you're going to be paying so much money in interest, uh, which will have an effect that will suppress prices or at least uh, slow them down from growing. So it's all big mess, but the bottom line is the Fed raised rates and the market had already baked this in. So that's where we were at. Uh, all right, changing gears. Donald Trump announced that he will sue CNN and he will target other media outlets as well. I generally like suing CNN because they are so horrible and they um, they they do smear people and there is an agenda that's passed down from corporate. You know, when Jeff Zucker was in charge in particular, that they would give talking points out and these talking points would demand that you smear the president of the United States. But we have a country where the First Amendment literally protects the press to say just about everything they want. By and large, it's worked out very well. It's worked out well for us personally because uh, Lord knows that if it was reasonable to just sue the media, uh, Breitbart probably would have been sued into oblivion uh, a long time ago by people who, not for getting stuff wrong, but for people just trying to harass us, use lawfare. 
Um, and Trump is, but in general, CNN's made some bad mistakes, and I know they've had to settle with some people like Nicholas Sandman, I think some others. Um, but other examples he provided is that CNN labeling Trump a liar and willfully continuing the big lie characteriz- characterization. Um, the trying to connect Trump to Nazis and communists. That might be something you can't do. I don't know if you can just call people Nazis and communists. Um, but that is a, a, that's what CNN is doing. I generally like giving CNN a hard time, but it just all, it it is looking backwards, which is what I don't like when Trump does this. And yes, he was defamed, but he's president of the United States. And it's very hard for anyone to sue the media. And if you're the president of the United States in particular, that's particularly difficult to do that because when you're that much of a public person, it is even more challenging to challenge the free press and their ability to report on things. So if you have a thought on that one, I invite you to opine. Are you just overjoyed that Trump is suing the bad guys? Or do you think overall it's a waste of time because we do have a First Amendment in this country and by and large it's pretty good and we should be focused more on the freedom and not trying to suppress people. Um, he laid out 42 policy proposals in his speech on the America First Summit. I mentioned this briefly in yesterday's show, but I had not fully gone through everything. And the stuff that he was detailing in the speech is quite good. Finishing the wall, cracking down on crime. I played some clips in yesterday's broadcast on that. Uh, breaking up big tech, stopping communist China, draining the deep state. It, this is good. This is vintage Trump. This is the stuff that he ran on in twenty uh, in in twenty sixteen, which we all loved, which was so forward thinking. And we go through all the proposals. It, uh, we list them all out. Nick Gilbertson does for us at Breitbart News, and they're all pretty great. I have to say, if this is the agenda, and the agenda isn't just simply relitigating twenty twenty and the big lie smears by the media, um, uh, this would be a winning agenda for him uh, if he runs again, and it looks like he might. All right, uh, I also mentioned another one that came up late in the broadcast yesterday that is worth a a reference is Dutch farmers blocking highways with manure and burning hay to protest the globalist climate change agenda. Uh, These tactics are interesting to me because the Dutch farmers got some attention and they it was dissipating a little bit and they came up with a tactic to get some more attention. These are people who are standing up to draconian authoritarian climate change policies when the citizens are don't feel strongly about their economy and the 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 Netherlands, as well as places like Sri Lanka and Canada and to a degree, the United States have uh, forced people who keep their countries going to scramble in order to meet climate regulations. And these farmers are standing up to it. They've had enough. And the uh, government's plans to shut down vast swaths of farmland um, has led them to dump manure on the highways and bales of hay, and they're blocking highways and they're lighting stuff on fire. And this is a level of civil disobedience that I think is pretty welcome and uh, definitely something I'm uh, uh, at least from the time being, seems something worthy of your support. And uh, it's just a reminder that citizens need to be able to stand up in a massive way to a totalitarian government. We have to. So recall Ava Vlardingerbrook, who's on the show with us a week and a half ago or so, said that Netherlands has become the pirate, uh, I'm sorry, the pirate, maybe pirate, the pilot country for a great reset. I think that's right on the money. All right, we'll enter our woke update. Um, Turning Point USA 
has slapped the view with a cease and desist letter with a line that they were supporting Nazis. Um, Charlie Kirk will be here later on the broadcast. I'll ask him about this. But a handful of protesters, probably AstroTurf, if not Total Freak Show, showed up at a Turning Point USA event, and some of them were waving a Nazi flag. These things are almost always plants. Almost always these things are plants. And uh, Turning Point USA had no idea who these people were. Um, I'm close to a lot of people over there. And uh, they didn't know they were. They tried to assess it. They seemed like they got pretty good intel eventually and who the people were, but they're certainly not connected to the group at all. And this didn't stop the view for from saying that it's Turning Point who are the Nazis. Of course, they're not. It is just, you know, people who like... Uh, <laughs> it's just amazing. Like the, the people who go on campus and stand up to these horrific fascist mobs that would try to shut down speech and try to, you know, get some conservatives to speak to the students and try to get... The, uh, uh, the get unwoke people uh, to have some sort of a voice. And then they just get smeared as Nazis by Whoopi Goldberg on The View. Um, the View had to apologize, which is great. But I don't know if it's going to stop there. We'll see if Charlie is able to give us some stuff uh, on this. But the is and uh, it's it's interesting timing because Charlie's got a book out on how bad the campuses have gone, but it's not just the campuses, also our media. The media thinks that Turning Point's the bad guys. They're not the bad guys. They're the good guys. I am looking forward to when Charlie gets on to laying out some of the wacky courses that the, the they have out there now. The courses that are being taught in our schools are just, uh, they're, they're, it's hard to comprehend uh, the courses that are out there in major American schools. Um, we've got feminist critical race studies. That's a good one. Organizing for water justice in California. That's a good one. That's a CRT adjacent course. Uh, we've got politics of space, time, and matter. Nice. That's in the in uh, the indigenous and queer studies, Afrofuturism, borderland studies, critical race studies, and decolonial studies, disability studies, feminist science studies, and new materialism section of the uh, UC Santa Cruz curriculum. Whoa, 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 hold on. To Hogwarts, Harry, an intensive study of Harry Potter through the British Isles at Central Michigan University. That sounds like a good one. Politicizing Beyonce at Rutgers. That's a good course. I'm take that. Sociology of Miley Cyrus at Skidmore College. California, here we come. The OC and self-care, self-aware culture of the 21st century at Duke. That's a good one. Wordplay, a rye, a rye plod from Babel to Scrabble at Princeton. That's a good one. Oh, look, a chicken embracing distraction as a way of knowing at Belmont University. I mean, the list just goes on. Ooh, biology, Jurassic Park at Hood College. That looks like a good one. Zombies and popular media at Columbia College. I'd go to that one. I would go to that. The zombies have a lot to say. So I take issue with Charlie including that in his list. Those are all things that Charlie highlights in his book on stuff that's going on on our campus. And one of the few groups is trying to provide some balance to that. They just get smeared as Nazis in the view. Not good. I'm not impressed. So the view apologized, but I don't know if that's going to be enough. Um, let's see. Uh, Ron DeSantis has announced additional measures to combat the woke masters of the universe. As our tech oligarchs at Breitbart, Hannah Blue, uh, Hannah Blue has written that up for us. You should check that out, Breitbart.com. Indigenous Canadians have asked Pope Francis to show me the money after he apologized. 
the Pope had a big mea culpa, mea maxima culpa for the church that uh, apparently was discriminatory against the Inuits and had not heard and acknowledged their experience of oppression from the church. And, but a, a lot of indigenous peoples are saying an apology is inefficient, that they need some sort of a monetary repara- uh, reparations. So uh, you can never give it enough to the left-wing mob. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't some level of an apology enough. Uh, the, 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 that isn't a good thing. But if there's been past wrong, saying sorry is a good thing, but you're not going to get enough. You're just gonna, people are going to ask you to open your pocketbooks. So that's a, always a um, always a fun thing to track. Um, let's see. Last one we'll do for now, then we'll go to the phones. Disney has caved again the far left. Hulu is now going to run Democrats' abortion and gun control ads. Hulu is a joint thing, which is owned by... Disney partially and NBC Universal to a lesser extent, which is Comcast. And it's a major streaming service. And they were choosing for whatever reason. There's clearly, I've been trying to mention this on the show. There's clearly some corporate warfare going on inside some of these C-suites where there's probably some anti-woke people who are suggesting we can't do everything woke, can we? I mean, we're already trying to groom the kids. Can we stop at some point? And apparently Hulu was not going to run ads for Democrats on abortions and guns, um, but, you know, politicizing their content because Hulu, you can get it with the ads and without ads, I think is the way they do it. And, but Disney has uh, caved and there was a media pressure that they wouldn't run ads for Democrats and now they will. So again, you can never give the woke mob enough. They will always come for more. That is the lesson of the day. It's one of the lessons of all time. The only thing frustrating about talking to Charlie Kirk, one of the most able communicators of, um, I guess, my generation, though maybe he's half a generation younger, is that uh, we always run out of time. And we did here today, but we get into a lot of detail and cover a lot of ground on his group, Turning Point USA, and what he is doing to try to fight the college scam, and which is just burning up so much money and so much time and is limiting a lot of uh, America's education. It just is. The college is limiting a lot of people's education. Uh, he explains all that in the interview, and it's always a good time when Charlie's here. Let's play it. Charlie, it is great to have you back on the show, uh, and congrats on the wonderful Student Action Summit over the weekend. I was watching from afar. I know we got some great coverage of Breitbart, which will continue. We still have more videos on our social uh, page. I mean, you guys have just exploded, and you just don't stop, my friend. Well, thank you, Alex. It's great to be here. And likewise, Breitbart has grown, and only you could get me up this early on the West Coast. I'll tell you what, Alex. So I, I compliment to you. <laughs> it, it really is, and I thank you a lot. And I know Charlie uh, uh, Burns. The uh, he he's working hard late in the night and to get up this early. And then I know you got a, a big show today. Uh, your podcast is uh, one of the biggest, if the podcast in the world. Period. Which is congrats on that as well. So it's just a it, it sp- speak to your energy, Charlie. How do you maintain the energy that you've had? Because this is the thing that I'm always. You know, I, I, I always love so much. 
Yeah, um, you know, I was starting to get burned out about a year, year and a half ago, and you know, I was watching the Last Dance with Michael Jordan. I just love Michael mm-hmm. Jordan. I think he's amazing. And um, I started to realize that I, if you're going to be doing 20, 22 hour days, sometimes. You know, you got to treat your body and you got to treat your routine as if, you know, you're a professional athlete. So, you know, ice baths every morning, working out five to seven times a week, you know, uh, doing all sorts of different types of stuff of supplements. And, you know, you just got to do that um, and try to find how the best are able to do it well, as well. So, you know, try to get my sleep where I can. But, you know, it's and when you have passion for things, it also becomes a lot easier as well. So but um, it's great, man. It's it's a phenomenal thing that we're doing at Turning Point USA, and um, the journey's only beginning. So you're an expert in a lot of topics at this point because you're one of the lifetime learners that I know, but uh, your bailiwick really is the education system, and this is what you focused on in the book, which is out now, and everyone can get hard covers. Um, and I got a, a ton of questions, probably more than we'll get to in the interview. But let's start with the, your your gap year. Uh, you were thinking about going to the military academy. It didn't work out for you. So then the plan was to go to Baylor. And then uh, you decided, thanks to some advice from the top dogs at the university itself, you should take a, a gap year. And that was when your life took this wild turn, you start turning point, and it explodes. Uh, explain how the gap year works. Yeah, it, it's it's a crazy story. You know, gap year has been around for a while, the idea of a gap year. What hasn't been around as much is a gap decade, and that's something that I've, <laughs> I've done. And, you know, so the idea is this, is that if, you know, if you wanted to go to a certain school or if you wanted to do a certain thing and it didn't work out, why not just take a little break before you borrow all this money and go into – you know, this extremely uh, radical uh, path, and why don't you think it through first? So that's what I did, and I, st- I decided in my gap year to start Turning Point USA, and I didn't have any money, any connections, any idea what I was doing, but at least I wasn't going into debt, and I wasn't going in the wrong direction, right? So that's what I love about a gap year, is the worst thing that happens out of a gap year is you stay exactly where you started, right? Where if you go to the wrong college, or if you you know, enroll and you borrow all this money, you could be many steps back. And that's what people don't understand. Wow, good point. Is people think it's the opposite, right? As people say, well, if I have a gap year, then I could be behind my peers. Well, you'd only be behind in time of college. What do you do in that gap year? I mean, if you, if you travel, if you go get a job, you know, you put some money in the bank, you could really focus on things you care about. Whereas college, you don't really have that much free time, especially you know, as you're enrolling in some of these universities, you're kind of caught up, let's just say, in extracurricular social activities, right? So I, I started Turning Point during this gap year, and, you know, it's been this amazing journey. I address this in the book, The College Scam, and people can find it at collegescam.com, is that, you know, the, the issue that I think so many people have is the stigma around not going to college, and and that's right. what, that bothers me. I still get it, Alex. People come up to me and they said, so, Charlie, you know, when are you going to go to college so that you can really start to accomplish something? Like, well, you know, and and, they, and by the way, I don't say it that bluntly, but sometimes they're like, so, Charlie, are you going back to college? I think it'd be a really good thing for you to be able to have. And, you know, I laugh at that and I say, OK, yeah, maybe one day I'll, I'll go to college and I could really make something in my life. But, you know, what what is the piece of paper? What does it do? And yes. I really believe it's been reduced down, and I say this in the book, it's a mass accredit- it's accreditation exercise, right? It's I have the piece of paper, you don't, therefore I should be allowed in more serious conversational circles or social circles. 
Um, I believe that is a mistake. I think that the the destigmatization of people that don't go to college is necessary. And in fact, I highlight a couple numbers in the book, Alex, that 40% of people that enter four-year college drop out. 40%. You think about that? That that means that that only 60% of people that actually enroll will end up graduating. If any other yes. business operated that way, it would be closed down as a scam. And and it's these people are accumulating debt during the process. You also note in the book that people who are doing well in college still drop out. They realize it's not for them. It's pointless. They're spending a bunch of money. They're wasting a bunch of time. And I found that to be pretty fascinating. That is not just the low achievers. It's also middle and high achievers are saying this is not for me. And they've wasted all this time, which, as, as you know, with the gap year, I mean, worst case scenario, at a minimum, it's a neutral use of your time, but there's a chance something really incredible happens. And I haven't mentioned this on the show a long time, but uh, I took a gap semester. And during that time, I worked as a law clerk and I interned for Larry Elder, who I know is your colleague for many years at the Salem stations. Uh, and it was that resume item that I think impressed Andrew Breitbart, which made me the first employee of Breitbart.com. And it was not my piece of paper, which no one ever asked me to you know, supply my piece of paper, Charlie. And they've ever done. No one's ever asked to see it uh, from my from my degree, but they love that I interned for Larry Elder. Like that was what got my foot in the door. Yes, and it's just such it's such an obvious thing. So let me ask you, as someone who employs a lot of people, uh, it's a are you looking at people's resumes to see if they went to college? Do you care? Is it a positive? Is it a negative? Yeah, I mean, I'm trying not to say that it's a negative, but it probably is, right? I mean, we hire some kids that graduate from college, and they're fine. But what I do find funny, and I, I do some hiring here and there, we, you know, we've all hiring manager. But when I do sit down for interviews, and I, this is just a couple of years ago, I write about in the book, this one kid couldn't stop talking about how he had a political science degree from University of Southern California, USC. And I said, <laughs> okay, well, well, tell me, like, what have you done with your life? He's like, well, I got a, I got a political science degree. I said, I, I got that. But what, you know, what, what, what makes you different than a high school student? I said, what, I mean, that means nothing to me. And he, he couldn't believe it, as if he just wasted four years and $130,000, you know, to go get, and it's probably a lot more than that, actually, today. It's probably $200,000 to go to USC. Sure. And so, yeah. look, I care about, I, first of all, here's the first thing I care about. I care about your character. I care about your ethics. I care about your integrity. And what you just hit is perfect, Alex, is that go find somebody who's got their act together. And if you want to be in politics, go find someone that's a senator or a congressman. If you want to be in media, go find someone who's a talk show host and go find the best person you can in your sphere of influence and ask them for an unpaid internship and just say, I'm going to show up early and leave late and I'm going to do whatever you ask, anything you ask. And yep. by the way, I say this to parents and they're like, well, that's really hard. I was like, well, yeah, of course it's hard. Going to college is easy, actually. It's easy to go borrow $150,000. It's hard for a full year to basically say, you know what, I'm going to work like a dog and try my best to climb up the ladder. Right. And by the way, that's actually what is going to create a trajectory of a career that otherwise, you know, your peers wouldn't be able to do. And so there's so many things available. What's lacking really is hunger and creativity, Alex. It's just it's so yes. it's just the, the, the college system is just really, I think, become this bigotry of low expectations where, all right, I go to this kind of really boring state school and you know, borrow all this money and be filled with all these bad ideas. And what's so sad, Alex, is that we are now seeing a massive decrease in small business startups. We're seeing a decrease wow. in entrepreneurship. 
I, I mean, I if there was one, you know, it's interesting. Someone asked me and said, Charlie, what is one department in college that you think should be completely abolished? And they thought I was going to say like gender studies or lesbian power theory or whatever they call. I said, <laughs> no, the thing that I would abolish is entrepreneurship. I said, what the heck are you studying in an entrepreneurship class? Studying entrepreneurship? You do entrepreneurship. And, you know, they said, wow, that's really interesting. And, you know, there's some nice people, quote unquote, studying entrepreneurship. They come up to me and they say, yeah, you know, I'm studying how to be an entrepreneur. I said, man, you don't know the first thing of what it takes to actually run a business. Reading books about it? Are you kidding me? How about you drop out of college and go actually do it? Then you'll learn something. It's such a fascinating point. I had not thought of that, though. I did read, Charlie, in the opening of the show, I read a bunch of the lists of absurd, wacky classes that uh, people people pay for. I read some of that. So so, so, you, so you get a double double plug on the show uh, for, for the college scam, which is out now. But I did have a buddy in college who took entrepreneurship classes and read entrepreneurship books. And, you know, he's a, he's a fine person. He's a good guy. I, I think he sells insurance now. And I know he drove for Uber for a while, but he was not a high achiever. He was just not. And it is a uh, getting your piece of paper does not make you a high achiever. Studying entrepreneurship does not make you an entrepreneur. You got to get your hands dirty and you got to do it for free or for cheap. And these are big lessons and they're lessons that you've lived. Uh, but I, tell me, uh, Charlie, it's it, if you are anti-college or negative on college for most people, this doesn't make you anti-education, does it? No, that's right. No, I'm actually pro-education. I say that in the book. I believe this is the most pro-education book that you will read this entire year. I, I believe deeply in reading serious books. I believe deeply in a learned population. That's why I hate college. They're not doing any of that at many colleges. And I know that sounds like an oversimplification, but I mean, I deal with more young people than probably almost anybody else on the conservative side. I've visited over 120 campus and universities. I speak at them. I talk to students. And I'm talking about economic students where a majority of them have never heard of Milton Friedman before. I'm talking about, you know, political science students that have never heard of Thomas Sowell before. Right, and not even that, just the grasp of the topics, Alex, is just so lacking. And so I'm very pro-education. I'm pro-learning. And but that was just it's crazy to me. And this, I, I say this to parents all the time. I said, if you were to take every online Hillsdale College course and watch every PragerU video, there's 500 PragerU videos. There's 33 Hillsdale online courses and you listen to maybe Breitbart News Daily or the Charlie Kirk Show once or twice a week, you're trying to tell me that your kid would not be smarter and wiser because of that? And they said, well, you know, it's expensive. No, it's not. It's all free, actually. It's online. And this is what just drives me nuts is that right yeah. now it's cheaper than ever to go learn deep and beautiful things. And some parents are like, well, the best stuff's in college. No, it's not. The best stuff is actually all online. The best lectures, the best studies, the be it, people are now able to democratize this content. In fact, the worst stuff is at these universities, and it all comes down to one thing. It comes down to one thing every single time. It comes down to a parent being like, well, I would be a failure if my kid didn't get the piece of paper. And I said, right. oh, okay, I got it. So it's about your ego, not the kid's future, because you're afraid of telling your neighbors and your friends what would happen if they don't get a diploma? 
Yeah, this is this is the theme. And again, Charlie Kirk is with me, founder and president of Turning Point USA, the college scam, how America's universities are bankrupting and brainwashing away the future of America's youth is out now. Everyone should pick it up. Uh, and the, of course, the Charlie Kirk show, which is one of the top podcasts in the country. And you can hear the live show on a lot of the Salem stations. Uh, Charlie, it, it's a it, your book is twenty six dollars. Um, I wrote a book last year. I think it's going for fourteen dollars. I, I mean, th- these are this is a product you've been thinking about these issues deeply for ten years, and you have for twenty six dollars you can get you know eight or ten hours of your deepest thoughts on it. It's a or yes. you know y- you can go uh, f- take one of these uh, the, w- one of these classes that I was mentioning, like the textual appeal of Tupac Shakur at the University of Washington, <laughs> or or how to watch television at Montclair State or the American vacation at the University of Iowa, all of which you highlight in your book. You could do all that and you can take tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt uh, to do those classes. Of course, it's a scam, but that's still a bold term for it. So uh, very provocative. Explain the scam to us in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean, thank yeah, Thanks for the opportunity to do that. And by the way, all proceeds of the book, all profits go to Turning Point USA. And so I did that for a couple of reasons, the, one of which I just thought it was so deliciously ironic that it, it, I get to bash college nonstop. And then the profits of the book actually go to help kids on college campuses, <laughs> so help rescue them from all the left wing indoctrination. So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, look, why is it a scam? So, again, let, let's go through this. If let's just say we went to Chipotle or we got a can of Coke. And before we opened up the can of Coke or before we bit you know, into our burrito, I said, hey, You've got a 40% chance, a 40% chance of food poisoning. What are you talking about? 40% chance. So every kid that enters college needs to be warned, and they're not. Hey, you've got a 40% chance of dropping out, just so you know. Then on top of that, another 40% out, if they graduate and if they get a job, big ifs, of the people that get jobs after they graduate, 40% of them end up getting jobs that do not require a college degree. If you then put on top of that people that get jobs in fields that are not things they studied, like your friend entrepreneurship who ends up sells insurance, fine guy, right? Well, then that's another 25%. So you're talking about, just to put this into concrete numbers, there's about 23 million college students in America right now. Only about four and a half to five million out of that 23 million will end up graduating, getting a job in a field of which they studied, and getting a job that actually requires a college degree. That is a fraction of the, of the population, not to mention the average student loan debt in the country is $38,000, depending on degree. It's more like 32000 if you just count um, other statistics. It's right near there, though. There's a lot of debate of what the number is, but about 32 to 38 is kind of the agreed-upon consensus. And then, Alex, on top of all of it, you have to learn about why our country's terrible for four years. <laughs> so if you graduate, if yes, you end up yes. getting a degree and getting a job in something you actually studied, that actually requires a college degree. You have to be berated for four years about why America's terrible why men could become pregnant, why, you know, why, I don't know, the BLM agenda, the climate change extremism, all right. that sort of stuff, one after the other after the other. And so under any other industry standards, Alex, we'd look at this and say, hold on a second, this doesn't make any sense. And then on top of that, Alex, as if it's not bad enough, these universities are raising tuition every single year. And if you combine Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Stanford, and the top endowments of the top 10 schools, they have a combined tax-free endowment assets of over $230 billion. These are hedge funds with schools attached. These are not yes. colleges. 
So I want to explore this because this is one of the biggest ideas in the book, and it's an idea that I've touched on briefly in the show, but you get into a lot more details. Uh, Explain what this means specifically, that they're hedge funds with the universities attached. Yeah, and most parents don't even know this, right? So a lot of good middle-class parents have to go significantly into debt to go send their kid to, I don't know, to pick, pick any one of those schools, Princeton or Harvard or Stanford or whatever. And so, but what they don't know is that these universities are sitting on, I don't know, Ukraine relief style amount of cash, right? I mean, we're talking about $50 billion that Harvard is sitting on, $45 billion that University of Texas Austin is sitting on and growing, by the way, growing dramatically. And so these are what they call their endowments. Now, they don't use their endowments to significantly curb tuition. They use it to go buy more buildings adjacently, and they use it to go grow the real estate portfolio and the entire asset pool of the university. In in fact, really what it is, it's all about power. It's about the people that sit on the board. It's about the money manager. It's about the probably illegal but definitely unethical deals that are being traded right? because of the people that sit on these investment boards. And so you have this huge sum of money. And what do parents get out of it? Basically nothing. They might do some scholarships here and there, but generally their whole goal is to grow the endowment year over year. And so that alone, Alex, is cause for concern. And you say, hold on a second. So you're trying to tell me my kid has a 40% chance, a 40% chance of dropping out. If he graduates, he might be like almost 50-50 chance of getting a job that doesn't require a college degree. And then the university that's making my, my family go into debt and my kid maybe have to borrow money, be filled with ideas that are against my values, is also hoarding cash and tells me that I got to pay more money. Scam, Alex. That would be a scam. Yeah, and uh, Charlie lays out a, a cases or 10 counts against colleges, including that they're overpriced, they've been infiltrated by foreign groups, that they're breeding violence. Uh, all of this stuff is well worth your time. So, But I want to ask you, Charlie, about what you do in particular, if you are someone who wants a background in a STEM field, science, technology, math, engineering, what do you do if you are hearing this conversation, you're thinking, all right, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to waste all this money. I'm not going to get the woke indoctrination, but I still want to work in these fields. What, What do you do? Do you have to suck it up? Is there a solution to them for them? That's an important question. So we talk in the book, start local. So community colleges and technical colleges are typically less woke and less expensive, right? And then get really good at the thing you actually want to study. This is important. So what science, technology, engineering, and math is over time, the least accreditation focused, where yes, they do care if you have a piece of paper, but over a period of time, they really care if you're good at the trade, right? And that means over a period of time, I mean like after 18 months. So let's, let's pretend you want to be a computer programming, computer science, right? You do not need to go to a four-year college for that, period. You don't. Go to a local community college technical school. Get really good at it. In your free time, you know, for literally $5,000, you could learn how to code over seven weeks, right? And then maybe get a certificate of, of literacy from – not literacy, but, you know, a certificate of completion from a local community college or technical school. And then see if someone will hire you. And then if you have to go then after that, then so be it. What I talk about is doing it in steps. The worst thing you could do is like, well, yeah, I'm going to Arizona State to go study computer science. For the first two years, I have to go learn about North African lesbian poetry. I'm like, I thought you're studying computer science. Like, what are you doing here? And, it, and, it's, and it's still two years away from you. When I talk to people in the STEM field, they could not care less about the piece of paper. They care about the ability to do the job. Now, you know who does care about the piece of paper? HR departments. You know who does care about the piece of paper? All the work aspects of American society, worst aspects. 
you know, elementary school education, all of that. So if you want to go be an HR manager, then yeah, you are going to have to go to four-year college and choose wisely. But in STEM, it's a lot more of a meritocracy that I think people realize. But what about something like medicine, where you really do need these super high levels of of accreditation? Uh, because I, I want to have this big pushback. I want to encourage people to do this, but I, I, I'm just a little bit concerned that there's a few people going to be left out in the lurch here. No, there absolutely will. And look, that that's part of the reasons why you know you got to choose the right college and you have to you know hopefully do as much work ahead of time with AP classes before you get there. And look, here's the thing, though, is that the vast majority of students that are going to college, they're not studying these things. They're studying communications and they're studying sociology. Is there a role for higher education? Of course there is. And this is actually part of the strategy, is that if we can seriously and significantly decline college enrollment, then that's the only way we're going to fix these universities from being these woke, expensive indoctrination centers that they've become. They are able to keep on doing this because no one is checking them and no one is saying, you know, maybe I shouldn't send my kid to this school. Maybe I shouldn't send my you know, right. donation. We're seeing a small decline in that. But do I, in the ideal, believe that there is a place for a higher education model that is training young people? Of course. And here's my evidence of this, Alex, is that where do the Chinese send their kids to school? They don't send them to go study the humanities. They come here to come study our amazing technology, engineering and math. Right. Right. They, they fill up the engineering departments. Meanwhile, our kids go fill up the sociology department. And I know that evidence is that we still have a phenomenal tech base in our country. We really do. Is it being corrupted by wokeism? Oh, yes. It's not immune from politics. It's not as bad, but it's still very bad. But the Charlie, our great enemy, the Chinese, yeah. they still know that Caltech and they still know that the Massachusetts Institute of Technology right. is, the, is the envy of the world. Right. For artificial intelligence and computer science and all of that. And so but they they make fun of. In fact, they're afraid if their kids have to go get a sociology degree. What are you going to go back to Beijing and go teach, you know, the people of Beijing about systemic oppression like that? Yeah, that's probably not going to work very well in you know Chinese Communist Party circles. But if you could build a missile, you can get a job. The College Scam is the book, How America's Universities Are Bankrupting and Brainwashing Away the Future of America's Youth. Also, don't miss Charlie's podcast, uh, probably the biggest podcast I'm on on a regular basis also, which is extra fun. Uh, Charlie and I have a great rapport, as you guys can tell, um, and a longtime friends, and I think uh, could be in the front lines together for a long time. Charlie, really appreciate all the work you're doing. It's an important book, and I have about 50 more questions, so hopefully we'll do a part two of this. Got to do it. Thank you, Alex. People can get it at collegescam.com. That is today's show. Thanks to Nico, who's helping out, as well as producer Greg Eben. Robert Marlowe helps me pick topics, and all of you who told 10,000 friends and family members about the broadcast can't appreciate you enough. And we'll speak to you tomorrow.